Hello and welcome back to Millennial Mental Health, back to our mini-series on different types of anxiety disorders. I'm your host, Stephanie Condrohera, licensed professional counselor, and today we're going to dive more into eating disorders and how they are very closely tied with anxiety. In my work as a therapist, I've worked with a variety of people, um, and a lot of them, unfortunately, do have self-destructive eating behaviors. That's actually one of my specialties. Um, So I I do see them maybe more than the average therapist. Historically, eating disorders have been mostly associated with upper-class white women, but the truth of the matter is that an estimated 30 million people in the U.S. struggle with eating disorders, 20 million of them women and 10 million of them being men. This is true across race. This is true across social economic status. This is true against gender and sexual orientations. Unfortunately, one person in the U.S. dies every hour from an eating disorder. And I think that's a consequence of people being undereducated, people not receiving treatment early enough, people minimizing eating disorders for their seriousness. However, it is one of the most deadliest mental health illnesses that people can experience. Unfortunately, I've heard so many times things that are just very incredibly minimizing to the experience of a person that that has an eating disorder. So that's why I wanted to talk about this some more. I have mentioned in some previous podcasts about eating disorders. This is a little bit more of an educational podcast about it. Okay, so some signs and symptoms of an eating disorder. So according to NIDA, the National Eating Disorders Association, Some social signs to pay attention to are a growing fixation on weight loss, dieting, and control of food consumption, a preoccupation with food, nutrition, calories, carbohydrates, any sort of like reading of nutrition on food boxes or packages, the refusal to eat certain foods, progressing to restrictions against whole categories, for example, a refusal to eat carbohydrates, Um, and uncomfortableness eating around others, food rituals such as excessive chewing or refusing to allow foods to touch, uh, skipping meals or taking smaller portions um, at regular meals, withdrawal from friends and activities, frequent dieting, including a focus on fad diets, extreme concerns with body size and shape, frequent checking in the mirror for perceived flaws in appearance. Um, Oftentimes, people will squeeze themselves to try to see like, oh, like where is my quote unquote fat um, and extreme mood swings. Additionally, there's a number of physical symptoms that people can watch out for. And please note that not everyone will experience all of these symptoms and it's best to navigate the situation closely with um, a doctor or a trained professional Um, So noticeable fluctuations in weight, both increase and decrease in weight, an increase in stomach cramps, constipation, acid reflux, um, and females can experience menstrual irregulations, missing periods, or having periods um, only when using hormonal contraceptives, abnormal laboratory findings such as um, low iron, low thyroid, hormone levels, low potassium, low blood cell counts, 
experiencing dizziness, especially upon standing, increased fainting, uh, sleep issues. Maybe they might have like cuts and calluses around their fingers, and this could be a result of induced vomiting. Dental problems such as enamel erosion, cavities, and tooth sensitivity, dry skin and hair and brittle nails, muscle weakness, yellowed skin. Oftentimes, people who have eating disorders also experience cold feeling or swellings of the feet and hands. Okay, so that's hopefully what could help the lay person identify whether someone has an eating disorder or if you go to the doctor and you get some blood panels done and you you notice that those things are low if the it's good to point those out to the doctor if the doctor doesn't already say something to you oftentimes your primary care doctor may have only had like a month's worth of training on eating disorders or maybe even like two to three weeks. So if you feel like you have an eating disorder, it's important to say something. Or if you feel like a loved one might have an eating disorder, it's important to say something. Obviously, I hope that doctors are watching out for it as much as possible, but they have a lot of things that they're possibly thinking about that could be causes for some of these symptoms. So if you feel like this is what you're experiencing, it could be important to speak up and advocate for yourself or for a loved one. So there is seven different types of diagnosable eating disorders that are currently in the DSM-5. This is the most inclusive list that is currently created. However, as eating disorders evolve and our culture evolves, I imagine so will these diagnoses. But as of right now, this is the most up-to-date list. So we have anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, commonly called RFED, binge eating disorder, PICA, um, rumination disorder and diabulimia. And for the words that are not clear what they mean, don't worry, I'll be going into those because some of them are not words that most people have probably come across. So given how distinct these eating disorders can be from one another, there's no single solution for how to cope with them. However, there's a few things to keep in mind. The first being that remember that you're not alone. If possible, you can reach out to a family member, a therapist, nutritionist, psychiatrist, or really any medical professional. By relying on your support group and reaching out to others, your chances of a successful recovery definitely increase. And the second is if you know someone with an eating disorder, do your best to be patient and educate yourself on eating disorders. Many mental health issues can be caused by complex factors and it's important to build your knowledge base in order to make proper sense of anybody, including loved ones, um, mental health. Like I mentioned, eating disorders oftentimes highly associated with anxiety or OCD, sometimes come along depression or substance use, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So there's a lot of things to consider when Um, looking for treatment for someone with an eating disorder and really trying to understand the complexities of it. So what causes eating disorder? Again, this is by no means a comprehensive list. 
Um, the factors behind eating disorders can be varied, and while the exact causes are unknown, it is generally believed that it's a combination of biological, psychological, and or environmental abnormalities that contribute to the development of um, these illnesses. Examples of biological factors include irregular hormone functions, um, genetics, a tie between eating disorders and one's genes is heavily researched, um, but we do know that genetics does play a role in nutritional deficiencies. Examples for psychological factors, a negative body image or poor self-esteem. Examples of environmental factors, dysfunctional family dynamics, which can include emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. Professions that promote weight loss, such as modeling or bodybuilding. A variety of sports where an emphasis is placed on maintaining lean body for enhanced performance. These can include rowing, diving, gymnastics, long-distance running, ballet, uh, wrestling, cultural and peer pressure among friends and coworkers, and stressful transitions or life changes. Again, this is by no means a completely comprehensive list. I think it's important to acknowledge that people can develop an eating disorder at any time, um, it could be at 13, it could be at 25, it could be at 50. Um, and it's important to not think that everybody that has an eating disorder is a young teenage girl. Um, I've worked with people in their 60s struggling with eating disorders. I have seen people who have had gastric bypass surgery and now have more complications with their eating that then reinforce disordered eating behaviors um, and oftentimes develop full eating disorders if they didn't have one prior to gastric bypass surgery. So it's really important to acknowledge that a lot of things can contribute to eating disorders and a lot of things and the way that it shows up in people's lives is so complex and so different. I know that there's a lot of feelings of shame and guilt that are factored into a person that experiences an eating disorder. They might f feel guilty for never really living the life that they're supposed to live, that they've idealized in their heads. They could find themselves hiding food or engaging in behaviors that are shameful, such as laxative abuse or induced vomiting. So it's really important to try to talk to people who experience anxiety about shame and guilt because the, both of those emotions really reinforce their behaviors. Also consequences or, or punishments really can be damaging to a person with eating, eating disorder. Um, an eating disorder can also be reflective of self-harming behavior. So they're already pretty negative on themselves and already punishing themselves. So that's also a really another dangerous route to go down. So as I mentioned earlier, there's seven different diagnoses and I'm actually going to dive into those more deeply in the next episode and go into symptoms and treatments and hopefully really help round out your education around eating disorders, at least a, a crash course, a 101 course and what they look like and how they might be experienced by people. So yeah, thank you so much for tuning in today. And I look forward to continuing talking through this mini series about different types of anxiety. I know today's episode was a little bit shorter, but I, I felt like 
um, having a two part episode would actually be more beneficial rather than diving into everything about eating disorders just for today. Yeah. So I hope that you will come back to listen to part two. All right. Take care.